So what? Who cares? <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Hi, Sage. Hi, Kaylee. What's going on? I'm just trying to look on my phone for my fact that I just had in my hand. Did you already lose it? Um, nope. I got it. Okay. 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 Do you want to go first? I do. So we're just going to start off with some weird fun fact. The fact I have is the average person walks past at least 16 murderers in their lifetime. I feel like I could think of some that I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You picked up one down. Yes. All right. Let's hear your fact. So my fact is really weird and I did more research on it and like it's kind of vague. Not really vague, but it's kind of like hard to find more about it, but it makes sense. It says... Deer will lay on decaying corpses because they produce heat and the deer like that. Basically, deer treat corpses as their personal sauna. And I love a good sauna, so that's why I picked that fact. And we know you love a good deer hunt. (laughs) Yeah, I do. In my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, somebody's in the woods missing or something, dead, whatever. I don't know. I could understand that. It's kind of a beautiful thing in a way, but... I don't know, like the earth Part is of life, you're giving yeah. back to the, you're warming the deer who's going to nurse the baby. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a human corpse either. Ex- exactly. It could be, animals. it could be any animal in this world. That is my fact. Do you want to get started on the story? Yeah, go ahead. Or do you want to start one of these? Oh, 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 okay. So I got a new game. Yep. I saw it on somebody else's like Insta feed and I was like, what is this? So I got it and it's called Pick Your Poison. And it's basically like, would you rather? And you just pick two cards and you each read them. So Sage and I are each going to pick a card. Are you ready for mine? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. Would you rather be unable to sleep with someone until you drink a glass of their urine or... Get three tattoos of your mother's face surrounding your genitals. Definitely that. I don't think I could get the tattoos around my genitals. Um, I can't even like get a tattoo. I want one and I'm just too scared of that anyways. Of my mother's face, like every time a guy has sex with me, they see Donna. I really picked that one fast, didn't I? But Um, like the urine, it's like, uh, well, like it's just one glass, get it done. uh, That means every time someone has sex with you, they have to see your fucking mother's face. I have some contingencies with the urine thing. If I'm gonna drink the urine, I want it to be super diluted. Like you better be drinking water. You better be hydrated. Yeah, I don't want any fucking nasty dehydrated like brown pee. I want like a nice clean glass of pee but honestly it looks like lemonade crystal light with a shot of Tito's I love that very much um <laughs> but yeah I think that I would when you say sleep with someone do you mean have sex with them or do you mean sleep and get cozy with them because oh, come on this is the adult version of the oh, game it's definitely sex okay so get so in my mind I'm saying <laughs> it's definitely sex okay it ain't the kids pick your poison I'm not asking if you'd rather eat broccoli as fucking noodles well let's be honest here bad broccoli or noodles <laughs> let's broccoli be honest here fucking eggplant you want me to read the first story we have let's go let me just pull up my google doc and my facebook marketplace ipad hold on now Kaylee and I hail from the great state of New Hampshire and so this story has to do with a funky little town we like to call Epping. I love that you called it funky. I don't know how else to describe that place, but I've seen a lot of weird shit there. We also have relatives that live in Epping, so we're not hating too much, but still, we do. Halloween Howler. Come on now. Oh, my God, the Halloween Halloween Howler. Howler. It's like this, like, crazy racetrack, like, rednecks everywhere. Like, there's my boy driving that Honda Civic. (laughs) They take old beat-up trucks and put, like, Shrek through the sunroof. (laughs) Yeah, and it's, like, around Halloween time, so everybody's kind of in that mood. And it's, like, but you got, like, fanny packs. and It's like NASCAR, but even more nasty. Yes, it's epic NASCAR. (sighs) 
but yet we like to go every year. We do. And we might have some friends that raise in it. I wonder if they're going to have it this year. It's, it's pure entertainment. It, it literally is People one watching. of the best days of my life. Yep. Yep. Get very drunk. Love it. Mm-hmm. So um, this story was sent in from somebody who is, uh, I should say, a fellow true crimey murderino y yes. lover, you know. And we're both murderinos too, so shout out to our favorite podcast. Yep. 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 Um, so the subject line of this is epping meat mystery hi i have a hard time telling this story without cry laughing so i hope you enjoy it late march 2016 a simpler time the world was just was about to start its slow descent into absolute madness but in those early months of 2016 things still felt a little bit normal I miss 2016. Then a woman out walking her dog near Route 87 in Epping, New Hampshire, discovered a package of frozen chicken legs laying on the side of the road. Quoted in news reports at the time, she called the discovery spooky. After pulling her dog away from the strange meat, the dog immediately alerted another package of chicken along the road. Now disturbed, the dog walker did the only thing someone can do when they found a couple of packages of frozen meat along the road. She called 911. Honestly, as an officer, what would you think? Thanks for calling me in about the chicken cutlet. The officer who responded to the crime scene, quote unquote, crime scene, (laughs) happens to be the same officer who was involved with the Sheila Labar incidents. Because Epping is a very small town and only has a few police officers to deal with its major crime like murder and spooky meat found in the road. By the way, our next story is Sheila Labar. Oh, get fucking ready. She brought it up. And we're going to get into it. She opened that freaking barn door wide open. One of our first things we get, she says Sheila. And And like, it was just amazing. It was just, this is why we're doing it. To this girl, we love you. We thank you. (laughs) After a bit of investigation, the officer not only found frozen chicken, but pork chops, sirloin, and Angus beef, as well as some wild game. Mm. So I'm assuming like deer. Yeah, we're in New Hampshire. And you think at first you're like... Oh, maybe somebody that had groceries in the back of their truck or something they flew yeah. out. But you wouldn't have venison if you went grocery shopping. That's I didn't think about mm-hmm. that. You would not. That is so true. All of it professionally packaged. The tags had been removed in what the police believe was a deliberate choice to keep the meat from being tracked. According to the officer, there was a pack of Angus beef, real expensive stuff, a 20-pound pack of chops, you know, some really expensive high-end meats. Oh, yeah, a pack of chops. A pack of chops. No filet mignon, though. That's what I like. <laughs> It was soon discovered that about every 20 feet or so down a few roads in that area of Epping, meat had been placed by the side of the road deliberately. It appeared to some that the meat was most likely flung out a window of a moving vehicle throughout the area. Can you imagine getting slapped in the face with a chicken cutlet? (laughs) Or like seeing somebody do that. (laughs) There was also some expired pastry found. Nice little Lentiman's pastry. I love a good little Lentiman's pastry. But it is uncertain whether that was connected to the meat. As you can imagine, with such a serious crime for New Hampshire, like, nothing happens here. Oh, absolutely. No. Because this was apparently a slow news day, Ray Brewer, our lovely anchorman for WMUR News Mm. 9, was dispatched to the scene by WMUR to report on and investigate this horrific crime. It was on the news for literally three days, (laughs) and I believe it. I know. It was the second story on the 11 o'clock news that evening. Such simpler times. No, the news now. We don't even want to talk about it. I'm here to not talk about that, literally. Yeah. Unfortunately, the perpetrators of this strange littering were never apprehended, and since the statute of limitation has expired on legal dumping, we may never know who committed this heinous crime. Good luck with your podcast, and I hope this helps. Love, D. I I just love, because, like, what was it? It's just so typical epping. I've just seen the weirdest 
if you I mean, it's a mystery for sure. Things. It's not as good as Unsolved Mysteries on no. Netflix, which we're binging, but it's still a pretty good mystery. You want to hear something like interesting that I think about Epping yeah. that I've talked to you about and maybe it's a good time to like bring this up and I highly doubt that the members of this community will ever listen to this. So there's this little Oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah, this yeah. little town, like a like a private little road that is considered a town. It's called Heading. And there are like all these urban legends about Heading that like if you drive down it, you might get your car stoned by the people. Like that used to happen back then. So I've driven down it a couple times. I know I want to go so oh bad. God, we have to go. It's the weirdest thing. But basically, you know me. I always want to say everything's a cult. In my mind, it is. But it, it's a religious <laughs> group that just like like congregated in the middle of Epping. But it's creepy. Like I've heard the weirdest stories out of there. I know. I do want to know more about that. If yeah. anybody knows anything, there's like water towers and like strange houses. It's so bizarre. It's so weird. But um, yeah, it's like so almost that's like a run, rundown old campground or something. Yes, yes, and it it's like all like lake houses, but there's no lake. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I mean, I haven't seen it in person. I've just seen videos from Sage. I like to go down it sometimes, and then uh, and then there's some like gated roads. There's a piggery, a piggery. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's like down like a secluded thing, and in my head, I'm like, they probably kill people and feed them to the pigs. All right, <laughs> so we're gonna get into Sheila. Sheila Barr was born as Sheila K. Bailey in Alabama in 1958. Before she moved to Epping, New Hampshire, she had been married twice. She came to Epping in 1987 after answering a personal ad that was placed by Wilford Bill Labar, a very successful chiropractor. He even owned his own business and everything. Sheila sent Bill a letter with a topless photo of herself included, and that won him over. He literally went... <laughs> And met Sheila at the airport and took her home. She was like very beautiful. She in was her early days. Yeah, not now. She literally looks like an old hag now. Well, now. like straight out of like <laughs> what? Like, like I don't even know a horror movie. Like Sanderson sister shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. The Lady of the Woods. She's just fucking she, terrifying. Oh my god, the Lady of the Woods. She literally is. Yes. Anyways, although her and Bill never married, she called herself Sheila Labar. She worked in his office and was known to be very aggressive when patients would get behind on their payments. Bill and his partner would allow their patients to get behind on bills. They were very generous and like always let people pay up ahead of time. So when Sheila started working there, she started realizing that the bills weren't getting paid and. Crack the whip. They were, yeah, crack the whip. So she was making sure everybody was paying everything. Tough bitch. Yeah, to the point that where Bill's partner would give money to the patients to just take it out to the front desk. See, that just makes me sad, but at the same time, it's like opening the doors to, like, if you're going to let people, like, pay whenever the fuck they want, like, that's just opening the doors for people to just, like, take advantage of the system. Yes. So I get why she's mad, but she doesn't yeah. need to be aggressive. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, the patients, the patients didn't understand why Bill was with her, nothing. Like, they're like, this woman is crazy. I mean, Bill had been married before, and he did have children, uh, but they were not really present when Sheila was around, and they did not like Sheila. While still living with Bill, Sheila would have boyfriends, and eventually in 1995, she married a Jamaican citizen named Wayne Ennis from York, Maine. Wayne lived with both Sheila and Bill, but Sheila and Wayne would sometimes sleep in the apartment above the chiropractor office. They eventually got a divorce in 1997, and they both claimed each other as abusers. <laughs> I know, right? It, like, literally... <laughs> you're not you got wait till you guys what a man wait till you see what a in 19 <laughs> this, she's the fucking worst in 1998 she dated a man named james brackett a domestic dispute occurred and sheila attacked him stabbing in the head with scissors somehow she convinced the judge to get it annulled and their relationship still continued brackett lived on the farm for nearly five years with both bill and sheila and three years after bill died 
when Bill died, Sheila originally told his children that he died of a heart attack, but later had also told someone else that, like, he snapped his neck. <gasps> yeah. Nothing's um, ever come out of that, whether, like, he, wait, she was new. involved in something with him or not. Like, nothing's come out of it, but I that... I just am, like, shocked that I never heard that. A lot of the information I got on this is from Murderpedia, WMUR, and also the book Wicked Intentions, oh, yeah, which is really, really good. It was rumored Sheila could have possibly done something to him because she did have him cremated extremely quickly afterwards. Mm -hmm. But Sheila didn't even have his last name. Once he died, Sheila claimed she was his common-law wife and even had papers to prove that Bill had wanted her to have everything. His children were not happy with this. She got his farm and everything on it, his business and other rental apartments that he owned. It was said that everything that he had owned was worth up to $2 million. Wow. And she didn't legally even have his name. Sheila was extremely controlling even before his passing. There were also claims that she had chased him around the yard with a gun on multiple occasions. I mean, she probably is the one that gave him a fucking heart attack. I mean, if I was married to the bitch. He snapped his neck. The bitch killed him, probably. Yeah. After his death, she continued seeing James Brackett. One time they fought and Brackett left in the car, but had nowhere to go. So he parked the car on the end of the dirt road and fell asleep. Next thing you know, fucking psycho Sheila is slamming her pickup truck into his car. She reversed the car and slammed into it again. She rear-ended a third time. Brackett crawled out of the car and ran into hide in the woods for the night. One time, she had him take a polygraph test and was convinced he was cheating. This finally led Brackett to move out of the house and into a little camper on the property. This is the place where Dr. Labar would go if he needed to get away from Sheila. Once again, while Brackett was trying to sleep, Sheila started banging an axe against the camper, claiming he was still cheating. Brackett managed to squeeze through the roof vent and ran. When he looked behind him, Sheila was chasing him with an axe, but he still came back. In 2003, Brackett made another attempt to leave the property. He left on foot in the middle of a blizzard and hitchhiked to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and found his way to a homeless shelter. Portsmouth. Shout out to Portsmouth. Shout out. Where he roomed with a man named Michael Delage. Now keep this name in mind, because this name is not going to go away. While the two men were talking one night, they looked up and Sheila was standing there. Of course, she's fucking creeping on them and like had to go and find them and hover. Like she's such a psycho that she went all the way to this homeless shelter and, let's, and walked and let's right just, in. I don't know how they even let her walk right in. Yeah, I don't know. Let's take a minute to let all of you pause and look her name up and look her up and imagine her coming in and like just being so creepy. But also, I think it's because she was she frequented the homeless shelters because she would take people from the homeless shelters to work on her farm. Yeah, that's that's true. She did so, know. So, so they she probably did know her. Flyer. Yeah. You know, like, hey, I'll put your guys to work, get them out of the shelter. I'll give them a roof over their head. Like she totally manipulated them. After this, her relationship with Brackett managed to get a little bit better until one night when he finally had enough. Sheila had gouged his face out. What the he put his hands around her throat and began choking her. He then pushed back and threw Sheila off of him. She then went into another room. Brackett knew that's where she kept her gun and ran out the front door. He kept running down the long driveway and then he heard a shot. This was not the first time she had shot at him, but this time he heard the bullet go past him. He said he could hear it go right through his ear oh my God. and hit a tree. That's so scary. He then headed back to the shelter and roomed again with Delage. Sheila returned to the homeless shelter for Brackett, but instead she left with Delage. <sighs> Mm -hmm. Brackett states that Sheila had said she was going to kill him on many occasions. <laughs> the guy that she was married to, Wayne, had like admitted that she said she wanted the horse to kick Bill Labar in the head. She wanted Wayne to kill Labar, like everything. The Epping Police Department had records of more than 100 calls from her about everything from complaints about her road and her neighbors to accusations of domestic violence and not just calls. The woman phoned, faxed wrote letters, and would even show up in person, which would just always cause a scene. And she was always... 
like seducing them, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She preferred the officers who were good looking to come oh, out for a God. visit when she was feeling frisky. When officers would come in contact with Sheila, she would undress, be half-dressed, and would say sexual things to them. They were also subjected to some pretty bizarre and outrageous ranting and raving. Can I throw in a connection? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, Sheila Bar was, like, known as being, like, like, seducing men, like, when they would come to her house. Obviously, like, her track record supports that. So, we have a family friend. He owns a, um, like, an auto body shop around us. He claims that one time he was um he had to go to her house to give her like a quote on her Cadillac the famous Cadillac and he said that when he got there she was trying to get him inside and like trying to seduce him and like that could be total bullshit because of the guy he is but also at the same time like he's told the story like the same way every time Mm -hmm. but um I don't and I don't doubt it I don't really doubt it either I don't doubt it at all now we're going to get into a little bit of a timeline for you. So this all happened in 2006. On February 14th, Valentine's Day, Sheila met up with a man named Kenneth County at the Ashworth Hotel in Hampton, New Hampshire. This time, Sheila was the one who posted a personal ad and Kenneth responded. He was from Massachusetts. Okay, so from February 14th, we're now looking at February 26th. Epping Police Department got a call from the mother of Kenneth County asking for a welfare check on her son who was living on Labar's property. She had just gotten off the phone with him and he didn't seem like himself. Kenneth had been in the army but had never made it past boot camp. He had a very low IQ and was often known as being childlike. When the officers arrived at Labar's home, the gate was closed. They parked the cruiser outside the gate and walked around. So one time my mom and I, like, after all of this happened with her, like, my mom and I drove down in, and it's, like, two miles into the woods. Mm-hmm. Her, It's, like, so secluded. It's insane. It might not even be two miles, but it feels, like, that long. Yeah. I think it is. They walked up to the door and spoke with Sheila through a window. Ooh. Yeah. Officers asked if County was there, and Sheila said he was not. The officer said they had taken a call to check on him from his mother. And Sheila then admitted he was there. Why Mm. did she lie the first time? I don't know. Oh, wait. They asked if they could see County to check on his well-being, and Sheila refused at first, saying County was naked and in the bathtub. Oh, my God. She then left the window and brought County to the door. The officer said he appeared fine, and Sheila asked them to leave her property. And they willingly did because she's crazy. So crazy. March 17th, the good old St. Paddy's Day. Officers responded to a call that a suspicious person was acting disruptively inside the Walmart Supercenter in Epping. Not the first time I've ever seen something suspicious. I watched a woman steal things by pretending she had a baby in her carriage. And when I say carriage, I mean grocery cart, but it's called a carriage here. When they arrived, they found Labar with County, who was slumped over in a wheelchair. County's skin was ashen. He had cuts on his face and hands, and one of his hands was swollen and not functioning normally. Labar told officers that County received his injuries in a car accident. When officers attempted to speak with him, Labar told County not to say anything. The officers accompanied her and County out to the store, and they observed that he was leaning on a shopping cart and not walking properly, and Labar had to help him into the truck. And there's a picture. There is a picture of this. Um, maybe we'll put that up on our Insta. Yeah, let's. Um, yeah. But I just don't understand why the cops didn't do anything here. I just, I don't know if he looked that bad. And there was other reports that said, like, the cops actually helped him into the vehicle. Just like in so poor, like yeah. such poor health, and like one obviously. Of, yeah, he was not doing good. No. And one of the things she purchased was diesel fuel, which that will come back into play. So hold on to that. 
pin, little put foreshadowing. Little yeah. On March 22nd, Labar called police to complain that they had characterized her as a suspicious person in the report about the Walmart incident. She also told him that County had left her house. The next day, County's mother called Epping PD. She said she was concerned because Labar had stated that County was no longer living with her mm. and County would definitely have contacted someone if he were on his own because he really couldn't live on his own. Yeah, so, I, read, I remember reading that. Yeah. So his mom was like, he definitely would have reached out to somebody for help. And he didn't have a car either. He had no car. She also told police that her son could not be on his own because he had some mental deficiencies since birth. Officers called Labar many times to figure out where he was. At approximately 1 a.m. on March 24th, Labar called Epping PD once again. She told him that County had left and then played a tape recording over the phone. On the tape, Labar identified herself as the Justice of the Peace in New Hampshire and questioned County about raping children. Like, seriously, so fucking insane. This like, is it. That is just, like, psychotic behavior. Yep. County always replied her questions with a yes and a soft, muffled voice. At the end of the tape, officers heard a heaving sound in Labar telling him to stop faking that he was throwing up. It's just, like, disturbing. It is. so disturbing. It gets worse. Then on the tape, she said Kenneth County is now faking that he's throwing up. Shortly thereafter, Labar told County to stop faking that he fainted and then said Kenneth County is now faking that he fainted. While this tape was playing, officers heard the defendant in the background crying hysterically and saying, why, why, why? Then the tape ended. She literally, like, incriminated herself. Like, Mm -hmm. she seriously is that crazy. Oh, yeah. The officers then decided on March 26th to go to the property to check on County themselves. When police showed up to the property, her gate was padlocked and closed, which was unusual for her. The police parked their cruiser at the end of the long driveway again and walked up. All lights were off, but it seemed that all cars were on the property. They knocked, but no one answered. As they stood at the door, one officer noticed a burnt mattress and a box spring about 20 feet from the front porch entrance. And not too far away from that was another burnt area. It had a rusty barrel and a pile of hay. Near these piles of hay and rusty barrels, there were diesel fuel containers, but no cars that ran on diesel fuel, and near that was a Walmart bag. The classic Walmart bag. Yes. Even though no one was on the property, the piles were still actively burning. They approached the pile and smelled a terrible smell. What do you think it is, Sage? (laughs) Oh, I bet you I know. They got out their flashlights to take a closer look. They were in disbelief with what they saw. It looked like a knife handle and a melted blade. Tree clippers, a partially burnt chair, and a piece of burnt bone. The bone was approximately three and a half inches long with a large piece of fleshy material attached to it. Then they heard a car making its way up the dirt road. Coming up the driveway was Sheila Labar herself. Police asked her about the bones. She responded with, it could have been a rabbit or a pedophile. See, I can't with the fucking rabbits. She was insane with her. Her rabbits would just run wild, but they like wouldn't be wild rabbits. And she had them her like whole life. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. She was obsessed. She was a fucking crazy horse girl and a crazy rabbit girl. Officers suggested she go to the police department with them. She agreed and they asked her to turn over any weapon. She gave them her pistol. And when they asked again, Sheila flashed her breasts and undid her pants. The officers asked her to please stop doing that. Oh, I mean, come on. God. Why is that your first response when police officers mm-hmm. come to your, your property? Oh, just get my fucking pants undid my bra off real quick. You take it from there. <laughs> Seriously, the sheets of crazy men. So fucking The police stupid. then returned with three more search warrants. For the next few days, hundreds of cops collected evidence, including Michael Delage's clothing, which were in the Walmart bag. There was blood on a knife blade and blood splattered in the kitchen, the living room, the dining room, two bathrooms, and a bathtub. And of course, there were human bones and teeth. Police also found older burn pits and blood splatter that had layers of dust on it. This is when Sheila started to elude the police there was still no arrest warrant out for her at this point right they were still trying to figure out what the bones were what they belonged to and they had no reason to arrest her yet her first stop when she was 
avoiding police, was to go to a pet store. She took her three rabbits with her. She met two children and offered the bunnies to them. When they said they don't have a cage or a ride, Sheila bought them all the supplies they needed and gave them a ride home. Here, she met the children's mother, Pam, and manipulated her into thinking that she had an abusive boyfriend and needed to get away. The woman, feeling guilty, allowed her to stay the night. Oh my fucking God. I did not know this. No, Pam, when I read this, The Wicked Intentions, I knew nothing about Pam. And Sandy, her friend Sandy. It wasn't just men. It, You know, she really yeah. manipulated these women Everybody. as well. Well, like, total, like, sociopath. Yeah. And just, they basically stayed up all night chatting, talking about life, and Sheila talking about her horses and oh, her the farm. Horses. The horses. Yep. Then the news came on. It was images of Sheila's farmhouse with caution tape saying that Kenneth County was a missing person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were looking for people that might have more information. Then Sheila sees it and yells, that's Adam. And Pam is confused. She explains it's her ex. He's a pedophile and didn't want to be called Kenneth. He preferred Adam Labar. Oh, my God. She gave him that name, but also gave him her Bill Labar's last name. Yeah, it's not, not even only- her legal name. Yeah, exactly. Psychotic. I know. She told Pam and Sandy about the, his confession tape, and they believed her. Pam asked Sheila if she thinks he might have killed himself. Sheila responds with, he could have. He said he might kill himself by throwing himself on a fire. Then she said she had burn pits to kill her dead animals like the rabbits. The police did find lots of evidence of other animal bones oh, in that pit, too. Oh, my God. The beloved rabbits. The next morning, March 27th, when they awoke, Sheila was already looking up lawyers in the Yellow Pages. She was also very concerned about all of her animals and telling Pam that the police were out to get her and would mistreat them. So Sheila told her that she was the only one she trusted with her animals and she would give her the rights. This lady lived in a city and there was no space for horses. Okay? Mm -hmm. She could barely fit the fucking hut. Sheila then said, let's go, and they got in her car. Sandy, Pam's friend, was along with them for this ride. Both women believed Sheila, but did have a few moments where they had questioned it. But they thought she was so kind. Oh, my God. Her first stop was to see a lawyer, but she came storming out claiming he was a thief and wanted $60,000 from her. Then she asked to go to the bank where she took out $85,000 in cash and checks. She also bought a prepaid cell phone. (laughs) The next step was getting her horses signed over to Pammy. They went to find a notary to sign a document that gave Pam the rights to all of Sheila's properties and anything belonging to her. She was claiming the horses needed to be fed, so they drove to Sheila's property. However, as they were getting closer to Epping, a horse trailer passes by and Sheila starts yelling that those are her horses. Sheila convinces Pam she has to go talk to them because they are Pammy's horses now. That's what she said, Pammy. She's known the girl less than 24 hours, okay? Pam pulls up alongside the truck pulling the trailer. They stopped on the side of the road. Sheila stayed in the car. Of course she stayed in the car. Mm Mm-hmm. The driver told Pam he was taking them to the New Hampshire SPCA. Pam told the man that Sheila Barr sold the horses to her, and he told her she cannot have them because they have been seized by the police. Of course they've been seized by the police. Why would Sheila not think that the police would seize them? Oh, my God. Did they actually think they were going to hook the trailer up to the fucking car in the back and just pull away with them? Like, where was this girl going to go? She lived in a fucking city. You know why? This guy was not just going to hand over a trailer of horses to some random girl. You treat people like shit, but, like... You fucking, like, have a meltdown when your friggin' horses drive by you. Yeah. The driver of this truck got back in, and he dialed 911, giving the license plate number. He said that there had been two women in a car asking for Sheila's horses. Sheila ducked in the back. The two women eventually dropped Sheila off somewhere. They then head to the police department, but when they talk to the police, they start to think that the police are really after her. Yep, they start believing Sheila. Mm Mm-hmm. The police tried to convince the women to bring Sheila to them and stated she was not under arrest. 
They just wanted to talk to her. <laughs> At this point, they still don't have a uh, like arrest warrant though. Yeah, they really, they're just kind of wondering what is going I think on. They're just they just want to gather talk. everything before they can really go in and be like, "This is what we want to look for, and this is what we're interested in finding." And yeah, and they just wanted to talk to Sheila, yeah. but Sheila was not. So still, no arrest warrant. On March 28th, Sheila met a former trucker who picked her up on the side of the road. She wanted to go to Boston. She told the man her name was Casey, which had been an alter ego she had used before. She asked the man to mail a letter for her, and they stopped at a random mailbox to drop it in. But not before he got a glimpse of the address on the envelope. He asked her again what her name was. This time, she said Sheila. But she caught her mistake and said Casey was her middle name. Oh, please. He started thinking it was strange she had a large bag of cash and maybe the woman's prison nearby might have had someone escape. Feeling a little uneasy, he called dispatch and asked if anyone had escaped. The dispatcher said that she had seen nothing because she wasn't escaping from prison. Mm -hmm. She was evading the cops. Mm -hmm. Sheila came out of the store claiming that the guy inside tried to grab her boobs. What did she buy? Oh, just a few things in a $40 box of lambskin condoms. She exchanged his nice gesture for sex in a hotel. You know, she loves her rabbit. She loves her animals. She loves her horses. Like, would literally, like, fucking die for her horses. But you want to buy lambskin condoms? You want to buy baby lambs? Little baby lambskin condoms? Yeah, I don't, I, I didn't even know there was such a thing as lambskin condoms. Like, where do you buy those? The next day, he had to pick his son up from school and went home and watched the 6 o'clock news. And who did he see on the 6 o'clock news? Shayla. Casey. Oh, Casey. He called the cops and explained everything that happened. But he called the cops in his hometown. And since there was no arrest warrant, they only took the report and just put it into the system. At this point, Boston news station started picking up the story. And Pam had just received a letter in the mail. She called her other friend Sandy to come back over. As they were debating what to do with the letter, there was a knock at the door. Officers were there asking for the letter. Mm -hmm. They were so confused as to like why the officers like already knew the letter was there. And then they started thinking like officers had been taping their house. Oh. But they had gotten their license plate from when they tried to get the horses. Mm -hmm. And the trucker had seen the address for the letter. So it. it directly came right back to their house. So when officers got there, they're like, oh, my God, that's the car that was spotted yep. with Sheila. And where's the letter? They did not have a search warrant for the letters and Pam kept them. So they could not, like, get the letter from her. She's like, you can't have them. Where is this mind. Pam lady now? Do we know? I literally have no idea. I just idea. want to give her a shout out. You're yeah. kind of an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of hope you're hearing Pam this right now. Pam literally sucks. made the investigation so much worse. Like, so then Pam made her way to the local news station, WMUR. It took some convincing, but Pam agreed to be on camera as long as her face wasn't shown. And she took the defense for Sheila. Oh, my God. There were claims that County was a pedophile and admitted to her that he was. She blamed the state police and Epping PD for illegally taking her animals. Oh, my God. No. Yep. So stupid. Yep. So they these girls went on to, like, basically say Sheila's an innocent woman. Right. She right. Ain't. Earlier in the week, Kenneth Washington was driving around a strip mall when he noticed an attractive woman. He pulled up next to the woman and she said her name was Casey. He spent the night with her smoking pot and having sex. He was pretty much broke and Sheila was handing out that cash. So oh obviously, God. like, he's like, let's, like, he, what am I going to do? This yeah. woman's handing out cash? Yeah. They spent two nights together and went their separate ways. Sheila also had to go get her hair done and she went to a salon in Dorchester, Mass. for a wash and a blow dry. Oh, on Dorchester. March, yeah, Dorchester. Little Dorchester. 
on March 31st, an arrest warrant was finally issued. They met on February 14th, and then literally a month later, there was already an arrest warrant out for her. But Sheila was already gone. Then Kenneth Washington was watching the news on April 1st when he saw his old slutty pal Sheila on TV wanted for a manhunt in New Hampshire. Oh, my God. He called everyone he could think of, Boston PD, Revere PD, and no one seemed interested. And when they told him to call the New Hampshire police, he said, fuck that. I'm not a cop and never called New Hampshire PD. Oh, my PD. God. Yeah. Then finally, an officer from Revere PD took it seriously and spotted her on his lunch break and called it in. When the other unit arrived, he pulled over to talk to her and she claimed her name was Casey Washington. The guy that she just had sex with for two nights took his last name. Oh, my God. And had no ID on her. He asked if she had marijuana on her because he could smell it. He even suggested that her name was Sheila and she denied it. He asked her what was in the bag. The officer then started pulling out the loads of cash and a bank slip from Manchester, New Hampshire. When she denied she was Sheila again, he went back to look for the newspaper, saw the picture of the woman, and asked her once again, and this time she confirmed she was Sheila. While all this was going on, obviously it's a small community and people started talking and also some refused to talk because they were scared of Sheila. Yeah. One thing that kept getting mentioned was Michael Delage. Neighbors had seen Sheila beating on Delage and all of a sudden he disappeared. In the burn pile, they found a spent shell casing, DNA belonging to Kenneth County. The police were able to identify his DNA from his army records. Oh. And also a bone belonging to Delage. They also found Delage's birth certificate in the septic tank of the farm in 2008. It is unknown how he died. Oh, my God. Now, here are Sheila's accounts. Sheila said Adam Olympian Labar which is Kenneth County, mm-hmm. went to bed on March 21st. His, his, the name she gave him. The name him she gave him. Went to bed on March 21st, and when she woke up, he was no longer there. She said she had burned the mattress because she had slept on it with a pedophile. She denied ever killing him, but was not mad that he was gone because she hated pedophiles. I mean, so everybody like, does hate a pedophile, but yeah, she's manipulating it. But it's like also confusing it. that now she originally was Kenneth County to everybody, and now she's calling him something different. She's to still like, calling him Adam Olympian Labar in this case. Yeah, like it's so, but they know it's Kenneth County. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what are you doing? The jury heard some of the hundreds of tape recordings that Sheila made herself. They were mostly interrogating or berating her victims. She said Delage and her ended up fighting in the kitchen where she grabbed a chain and began beating him. Afterward, he was still alive but bleeding from the head. Being all loving and caring, Sheila told him to go to the hospital, but he told her he deserved to be hurt because he was evil. He just went to the couch and was there for about two weeks when he got worse and died. In another interview, Sheila said County's death was an accident. She said when she woke up one morning, County wasn't in bed, so she got up to look for him. All of a sudden, County was choking her with his hands. Sheila got out of his grasp, and County told her he had only come to the farm to steal money from her to support a drug habit. The two of them argued, then fought. They somehow wound up in the bathroom tub, and then County slipped and hit his head. When she knew Kenneth was actually dead, Sheila said she set him on fire to give him a kind of Native American funeral. Oh, my God. God. I thought those were called Viking burials. Sheila claimed insanity as her defense. The forensic psychologist who testified for the defense said that those tapes showed that Sheila has either a schizophrenic effect disorder or a delusional disorder that caused her to mistakenly believe the men were pedophiles and to kill them. Sheila believes she once died but was sent back to Earth as an angel with special powers and apparently on a mission to kill pedophiles. Sheila told one psychologist that she was driven to kill Michael Delage because he was hurting and killing her rabbits and had said he wanted to kill her too he testified that he believed sheila labar was sane after spending more than 12 hours with her he suggested that sheila could have been faking or exaggerating symptoms of mental illness she brought them into her house lived with them cared for them and had sex with them before torturing and eventually killing them in the end the jury agreed with the prosecution and rejected sheila labar's insanity defense 
Sheila Labar, 49, was sentenced to life in prison without parole. While sifting through old burn pits on the farm, investigators also discovered toe bones that did not belong to Kenneth or Michael. So either someone left the farm without their toes or they didn't ever leave the farm. Oh, I love that. At, right at the end there. Tie it on off. I really think that that will. Serial well, killer. That would make her a serial killer. But I read that there was a guy, like an Irish man, like kept saying, describing him as like an Irish guy. And they would see him from time to time and then they never saw him again. But there was like nothing about that. You want to hear some weird yeah, connections? Yeah, let's hear it. I got some connections. So my first connection, I want to go back to the person laying on the couch. When she talked about how he laid on the couch and then he died. Um, so my aunt's friend, I think he's a plumber, um, some sort of HVAC plumber or something like that, um, came to do like some work on her house and like he had to go into the house and when he was in there, there was what looked like a person sleeping on the couch with a blanket over their head and I think Sheila was like, oh, just don't mind him. Like he's just sleeping. So that's one connection. My other connection is that, um, why this started my kind of like obsession is like she really doesn't live too far from me like especially where I live now like she's like back roads to her house and she um my dad one time he took all of us my mom my brothers and me um to the crime scene when it was an active crime scene and said because he was he was a game warden at the time so he knew all those guys in Epping and stuff and he was like let's just drive down in and just see like how everything's going. Like, and it was fine. Like no big uh. deal. And I just remember seeing crime scene tape and also seeing flowers and pictures of Kenneth County. And it was really creepy and really weird. Cause like it's a farmhouse and it's a really beautiful farmhouse. But like I said in the beginning, like it's so far into the woods. So I think that's what like started my obsession. So my other weird connection I have is kind of bizarre. And like, it has to do with my crazy neighbor. Um, so I had a, I had a crazy neighbor. Her name was Brenda. Um, she's dead now. So like if I, she won't ever hear this, but, um, she used to stand naked in the window when the bus went by. Um, my brother used to shovel for her. She was like an old lady. She was crazy though. My brother used to shovel her driveway for her. And one, one day snowed and he went over and she was naked in her house and she knew that he was coming and my brother saw her, but she didn't see him. And Cal just like ran home, like without even like letting her know. So the next day he, she was like, why didn't you shovel my driveway? And Cal was like, cause you were fucking me. Oh, my family just got back from Florida. Like, sorry. <laughs> so that was one thing. Like she literally did that so many times stood naked in the window. I've saw, I've seen this woman's tits a million times. Old lady. So anyways, she also had a punch buggy, an old VW bug. She oh, would you know, come up like our driveway. Oh, yeah. Come up our driveway, blare her horn. And I like, had a long driveway. She'd come up and she'd just park as close as she could to our garage. And she'd blare her horn until somebody came out. I always just used to hide in the closets because I was so scared. So then she would also drive her uh, punch buggy up behind our house, which was like her field that belonged to her where yep, she'd keep yep. horses. And um, she would shine her brights into my windows and my neighbor's windows she was crazy like she would go off-roading in her red punch buggy convertible guess who got Sheila's horses oh Brenda oh my god Brenda got Sheila's horses so I used to get home from school and I'd go out back and I'd and I'd pet Sheila's horses oh right right in my backyard Brenda they Um, must have been good friends oh yeah super creepy super weird I always drive by her house like once a week like her driveway because it's like it's like a really beautiful area like there's rolling hills but like she's deep in the woods Mm -hmm. past the hills um but yeah that's Sheila she's kooky 
That she one. She is a crazy fucking bitch. She is kooky. All right, so we're going to end this podcast with a questionable question. Basically, at the end of each episode, we're going to ask each other a questionable question, answer it, and kind of leave your guys' minds to think about the question as well. Yes. So, do you want to start? Yeah, mine's like not related with the topic, but... No, it doesn't have to be related to like the topic. It's like kind of like funny. It does not have to be related. It's lighthearted. Um, so, we're going to do fuck, Mary ghost, because for legal reasons, okay. I don't want to say kill. Um, so, here we go. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. Flava Flav. Ugh. Brett Michaels. Mm. Pilot Pete from The Bachelor. Ugh. Peter okay. Weber. Okay. I would ghost Peter because Peter deserves to be ghosted. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, Kelly. Yeah. Worst season ever. We, Bachelor Nation, just does not like you guys. Sorry. No. Not the best. Thing. Don't I don't know. Him. Awkwardness. Anyways. Yeah. So I'd ghost Peter. I would fuck Brett. Yep. And I would marry Flav because I think Flav would add a lot of enjoyment mm-hmm. and fun in my mm-hmm. life. And money. And money. Well, they all have money. Yeah. Um, I agree with all of that. And the reason why I would ghost Peter is because his mother. Oh, God. That would be the worst mother-in-law I, ever. I could never. I could never deal. She was deal. so mean to Madison. It so was mean. so unnecessary. So it mean. really was. But yes, fuck Brent Michaels for sure. Okay. Mary Flava Flav. Are you ready for my question? I'm going to call you pumpkin. <laughs> I love flavor. Of love. You're going to be named Goldie. New York. <laughs> I love that little tickle boy. I know. I loved him. Um, okay. So my question is, which body part do you wish you could detach and why? Does it have to be like a specific body part? Anything or, you want. Or deta- like cut off of me? Yeah. Oh, God. Um, so I've had this fucking... <laughs> I know what it is. Okay, go ahead. Let's hear I've it. had... Okay, I'm not alone when I say this. I have a little tiny little tiles, little skin tag under my armpit. I've had it my whole life. I mean, who's ever going to notice it under your pants? I'm going to slice that bad boy off. I get that. I get the skin tag. Is that understand. considered a body part? I you never wanted it. It's not a body part per se, but it is a part of your body. I'll take it. Skin tag. I, I might cut off my knees and then attach them. Just, I get rid I of my probably knees. probably just like cut off one ear. Oh, and then just be like lopsided because you can still hear from the ear, right? If it's yeah, just if the you outside. have one ear, yeah, 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 right? Why not? Yeah, so what? Who cares? Okay, cut off so the what? Who cares? cares? I'm gonna who cut cares? off my fucking skin tag tomorrow. Yeah, yeah but it cut off my fucking Vincent Van Gogh ear. I can't believe I just admitted I have a skin tag on my armpit. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Who cares? We, we don't. don't.